Hey guys, you're listening to episode 87 of the Finish Line Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. My name is Keelan, and I'm here with my co-host and brother Cody. Today we're talking to Trevor Louis, COO of Global Trust Partners, which helps establish ministry accountability organizations all around the world, much like the ECFA for Christian Ministries in the U.S. He has significant experience in what it takes to make a healthy ministry as well as how ministry accountability looks around the world. Stay tuned to hear all he had to share. Before we get started, do you ever wish you could find more people who are passionate about generosity, serving their communities, and advancing the gospel? Do you wish you could interact with some of our fantastic podcast guests? Well, we have community groups on Facebook and LinkedIn where you can do just that. You don't need to have a financial finish line to join. All you need is a passion for glorifying Christ with whatever God's given you to manage. Look for the link in the show notes to learn more. And with that, let's get to our interview. All right, we're here tonight with Trevor Louis from Global Trust Partners. Trevor, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, it's my pleasure to join you guys. Uh, so why don't you start us off just sharing a little bit about your story, uh, some of your early life, and, and maybe some of your faith background. Sure, sure. Let me do that. God created me with a natural curiosity and creativity that drives me to explore new places, meeting fascinating people, and continuously learning. This quality made my life feel like an incredible adventure and great influence to my faith and how I live. That makes me open to following God's leads and eager to obey His calling in my life. I was growing up in Hong Kong with my parents and three older sisters. Uh, but that wasn't easy life at that time. Uh, my father, you know, had fled from mainland China, initially living in a illegal hut before moving to public housing after the Chakit May fire, the famous Chakit May fire in 1953. At that time, we were very poor. So my mom also turned to a local church for support. Through the experience, she developed a deep appreciation for God's providence. That is very, very interesting. She passed away about 15 years ago. Not until I, you know, went to the church and talked to her pastor. And knowing that, you know, in her life, she has been participating, visiting, you know, different family those days. And the church pastor told me, because he's also very old, he told me, that, you know, my mom's always with this gratitude when we were young and the church provide, you know, the the supply that we need, the meal, the, the rice and things like that. And I also went to Christian school at P3. Uh, in Hong Kong, we call primary three. I mean, it's equivalent to grade three here. So it's a Christian school until I graduate from uh, high school. In fact, I also went to university in Canada as a Christian school. It's Trinity Western as well. So starting from grade three to my university life, I was uh, in Christian school. So that helped me to understand the Bible, God, and things like that. So because of my second sister's influence, I know Christ. I accepted Christ in 1982 uh, before I went to a study in Canada. So that is why, you know, I, I am passionate about God 
And I'm passionate about how my life will be listening to him. And I think for the past experience that I have, people say, oh, Trevor, you are so uh, caring. You are so empathetic. I mean, because I lost my two sisters when I graduated in, in the university. Those years helping me to see life is not easy and time is short. So whenever I have chance, I would think of the other people's needs than just myself. So this is me. Uh, this is my life. Yeah, thanks for giving us some background, Trevor. So tell us, uh, what did you study in college and how did that influence your early career? I was studying business administrations and those states they call MIS, Management Information System. So when I went back to Hong Kong, the two subject matter is very popular and in demands. So it helped me to get into different jobs, particularly at the, in my early career, I was doing a lot of trading business, including manufacturing and buying and selling different porcelain products. And then I went back to Canada because the company transferred me back there and opened up a marketing office in Canada because they don't want to have a direct competition in the States. Most of the customers are in the States. So I went back to Canada in 1989, January. So I worked for that company for a few years, and then I went to study my Master of Business Administration at Simon Fraser University. And I graduated in 1997. And, uh, you know, Canada is very slow in terms of business. So I have this stir in my heart. I asked my wife, you know, can we move back to Hong Kong? Because Hong Kong is very fascinating and business is very active. So uh, to give you some context, my wife was a professional social worker working for the government in Canada. So, so asking her to go back is very hard for her because she has to give up her, you know, career to, to, to satisfy my, again, this curiosity and work. So she said, said to me, if you can find a job that provide housing allowance, so we will move. So Hong Kong housing is a very expensive element because she doesn't want us, the family. We already have two children at that time. So she said, if you can find a job with a housing allowance, we'll move. So we prayed and eventually I got a job. It's a management consultant positions. So they not only provide me with housing, they also waited for me for nine months before I moved back. So that was, I think that was the first time I feel, you know, if I pray to God, if this is your view, you know, just arrange it. Yeah. So that, that is my early career back to Hong Kong and work as a consultant since then about 25 years now. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree a hundred percent about. God working in his own time, it often doesn't have anything to do with the timeline we have in mind. But that's a huge testament to prayer. And and I think we see that over and over, that God is always listening and he has the whole picture in his mind. Uh, so, uh, connect some of the dots from 
uh, how you got from the business world to the ministry world with Global Trust Partners. Yeah, this is a very good question. I think uh, all all things are happening in in God's timing, as you said, and uh, even with unfortunate events, <laughs> I have to say. So a few years back, when my church in Hong Kong, we having some unfortunate incident occur in my church. And this event, you know, stimulating me to think, because I'm a management consultant. I never see things happen like that in the commercial world. So it happened in the church situations. So I start sending, you know, emails to, to the states and looking for someone or some organization that could give me some idea, you know, how to do consulting work for the churches. So that message, you know, keeps circling until I reached to ECFA. And then ECFA forwarded to, you know, now GTP's president and CEO, Dr. Gary Hogue. So he replied to me four months later. So, so we have, we have a Zoom call and then we connected right away because he said, I still remember. If the house is not in orders, so things will happen like that because we all are humans. So that's the first time I heard of governance for churches. Even though myself, I practice, you know, management models and things like that, you know, it's just like to me, oh, that is my first time of knowing what is governance we, in a real situation, like with standards and things like that. So we get connected, and then at that time also, Global Trust Partner is about to uh, to establish by ECFA, and because ECFA has received a lot of requests for help uh, from other country, but the ECFA scope of service is within the U.S. because of the you know government laws and regulations, so they have a big big passion to establish a global organization to provide support for the global country, which, you know, they are demanding on an organization like ECFA. So Dr. Gary Holt was the international liaison working for ECFA at those times when I met him. So he started GTP a few months later, and he asked me, you know, do I want to be a regional facilitator, voluntary helping them? in the East Asia regions. The, we have 12 regions. They are mapping the same as Lausanne. So I say yes. So I worked a kind of part-time part helping the GTP in the capacity of uh, the East, you know, East Asia regions for uh, three years. And then last year in June, Gary asked me, oh, they have a position uh, chief operating officer position and asked me, you know, do you want to consider? So I pray to God. And again, this time tied in with my story with my wife. Okay. So I went to my wife and say, oh, I have this opportunity, but that requires to possibly, maybe we need to move back to Canada. What do you think? And she said, oh, finally, after 25 <laughs> years, you want to move back. So I think, Keelan, as you said, you know, everything is the timing 
you know, from God. And, uh, mm-hmm. and she said, yes. Okay. Because I don't have that strong passion to say yes until she, she say yes. So I think that drive me to, uh, to say yes for the position. So I started working for GTP, you know, October 1st last year. I just finished one year. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Congratulations. Now, I know you mentioned ECFA a couple of times. Uh, many people may know what ECFA is, but uh, for anybody who's not familiar, that's the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. And from my understanding, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor, uh, ECFA is basically a ministry a- accountability organization, and their scope of work is just in the U.S., but what GTP does is multinational across many countries across the world. Is that right? That's right. I think you say it perfectly. Yes, I think um, ECFA birthed GTP, and the relationship is like a father and son. And to me, they are my grandparents because if Gary is the son, <laughs> I am a child of uh, a relationship. So I went to visit ECFA last year. And I have been warm, welcomed, and uh, feel that it's like a family to me. So ECFA is very focused in in the States because of, as I said, because we call this a, like a peer accountability group, which is follow the local law and regulations. So, you, you know, I will be sharing a bit more how this will work in other country later on. But uh, you're right. I mean, ECFA is is based on the U.S. And the reason of GTP is because of global demands on setting up some organization like ECFA in those local countries. Yeah. So Trevor, what does the work that GTP is doing today actually look like? Okay. That is also a very interesting story. We have 10 staff in 10 countries. Okay, so the country will be like United States, Philippines, Egypt, Guatemala, Australia, South Africa, Malaysia, Nepal, Rwanda, and myself as Hong Kong and Canada. So it's 11. So because I travel between the two. So come to think of it, you know, I never work in an organization that 10 people are in 10 different places. 10 different places, not that important because we can do Zoom, right? But the 10 time zone make the meeting very difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. I give you an example. If we want to all, you know, organize a monthly meetings, so that will be very challenging. So whoever start the time early and whoever end the date late, I give you an example. Australia start early. I mean, in terms of the time zone. Vancouver is the last city that, you know, the time zone ended, right? So my daily work, myself, if I'm in Hong Kong, my day starts with 5 p.m. until 1 a.m. Okay, so think about it, okay? So if I'm in Vancouver, my day of work is starting at 3 a.m. until 1 p.m. <laughs> so you oh, see... Man. Who, who benefit the most is the African regions, right? They always <laughs> <laughs> they win but, the time zone lottery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one part of how we work, right? But basically, our work is like we 
at GTP, we have two objectives, right? One is we want to help country to establish ECFA-like organization if they don't have one. So we need to go there to do program work, like training, teaching, to get to know them and share the importance of governance. For those countries, they already have, you know, the peer accountability group like ECF8. So we're going there to help them to build a membership because uh, that is our role. Like, for example, in Canada, we have the uh, 4C, the Canadian Charity of Christian uh, Centre. They have, they have this function as ECFA helping churches and ministry following standard and get accredited and, and, and kind of the governance implementations. So I'm going to Toronto next week. I'm going to meet with them again. And because they have some Chinese members that, you know, maybe I can help out a bit to see how we can serve them in order for them to flourish. So, if you ask me about GTP daily work, other than the working pattern and the meetings, we're focusing going to country. New, we always say new country to do program work. At the same time, on the other hand, we have staff doing partnership work. So that including rallying, you know, different uh, foundation, different givers and to sustain our model that will work. So like a two hand partnership and program. Partnership and program. And this work, I complain about the time zone. But on the other hand, we have a benefit of at least we have a working hours, like 20 hours a day because we pass things back and forth. I sleep, someone is doing other things. I think that will be making us very effective and productive in a way that because we are passing, you know, our tasks, each other's to, uh, to work out. So this is a typical work pattern for uh, GTP. We we have a team providing essential administrative support as well in Guatemala to ensure smooth functioning of our operations. So they work tirelessly to serve over 67,000 workers in 129 countries by counting. So this is how we work. Yeah, that's quite a broad scope of work. So you talked about all these different countries, which are in very different parts of the world, very different cultural regions as well. What would you say are some of the core components of what healthy peer accountability looks like that hold true in any of these cultural contexts across the board? Oh, this is a very good question because as I said, my, my journey of coming into here is because of the unfortunate incident in my church. So you're, you're asking me, you know, how can be a healthy organization in a way that the peer accountability works? So one crucial aspect is the ministry coming together and agree to the following established standard, like the seven standards, like at ECFA. So when a ministry align themselves with this standard and commit to independent verify compliance, it sets a strong foundation for accountability. So you have the standard and then you follow and someone observe you and which giving you an accountability. So I want to stress that 
observing or you call it monitoring. It's not policing. It's rather giving out support. Uh, if you're not there, they support you to go there. You know, I mean, that is more important than policing. So, so that is the concept of standard and compliance. So another important component is the flow of knowledge because we have our head knowledge. How are we going to articulate it out and share with the next generations? Okay. So, so some organizations very strong, very good. But I mean, you're sure you heard of some, you know, some of them when they pass, there's nothing left for the next generation to follow. To me, a good succession and mentoring system will help the organization to sustain. Okay. So furthermore, I would also look into the concept of a few things that is important. Number one, number one is engaging volunteer. At GTP, you know, as I said, we only have 10 staff, but we also have 12 regional facilitators. And we also have country coordinators. We are not very far, you know, maybe a week after next week, we are pushing out a 100 people campaigns. Basically, we want to expand the country coordinator into 100 country. And we also want to rally a, a campaign that, you know, we want to have, have each of the country to give us some gift. So it's, a, it's like, a, again, it's program work and uh, partnership. So volunteer is one of the things that we want to, to build up. And also building capacity is also important. This involves equipping individuals with necessary skill and knowledge to fulfill their role effectively. Providing training and development opportunity ensure that everyone is equipped to carry out their responsibility in a manner that upholds accountability. What I mean is like, if we know that in some of the roles, staff or, you know, or co-worker need to be equipped, we need to help them because they don't know what they don't know. Because I haven't tell you my subject matter is knowledge management. I always look into people's knowledge, you know, what do they know? So it's important for an organization understanding, not just, you know, asking this the, the staff to do a work, but rather than looking into how to enable them, how to uh, give them the capacity or build their capacity to do the work. I mean, during those poses, I mean, it's like a give and take and learn that to me is very, very interesting. So I think volunteer help, which is helping you to expand your organization, succession plan and capacity building. Those three things are important for healthy organization other than following standard and get accreditation for governance and things like that. So this is how I see it. So Trevor, I'm curious to hear in your words, if an organization has accountability, why is that important for the organization, but also why is that helpful for donors to know that, that there's an accountability system for an organization? I think the key word is trust. So if, if you know that there's uh, accountability there, because as I said, we're human, right? Sometimes we do things we are not intentional to do. 
But if we have uh, accountability group set up, so we walk together and instead of policing or whatever, when we being tempted, the other party can uh, give us a hand. So this is accountability. And accountability also flows through transparency because I will have to open up and, and you see me, right? So that gives the trust to the giver. They see, oh, you are doing such things. And then, you know, my money or my resources to this organization is, you know, doing the things that they align with their visions. So I think that is a very, you know, intrinsic relationship, you know, between it. I mean, we are together, right? So the giver, they may not have the resources or physical resources can go to a country to do work. But if they see us doing it, they provide resources. Like it's just a conduit, you know, they flow the resources to us and then we flow ourselves to the other country. So I give you a very quick example. Each country we went to serve, after that we have a trip report. And the trip report is detailing the fruits that, you know, God allow it to come out and we share back with the givers. So they see where we go and what we do, what we do. And what were the results coming back? So, Trevor, you and I met earlier this year at a generosity-focused prayer gathering, and you were telling me about some of the characteristics that you had observed in the Chinese church, which was very fascinating to me. And so, you have experience attending churches in Hong Kong, in Vancouver, maybe elsewhere. I'd love if you could just share some of your thoughts around just the differences you see between church cultures in, in different contexts. Yeah, I remember that very much. I think because I I came from Hong Kong, which is 9% Chinese, and I understand, because I grew up in a Chinese family as well, I understand the, the culture, the tradition that we have. Okay, saving money is one of our good tradition in Hong Kong or in Chinese. So that tradition mindsets, you know, carry us through the church as well. So Chinese churches in Hong Kong or in general, you know, we, we are very blessed with resources, particularly for money and buildings. And But also, on the other hand, it's not so good because we kind of uh, relying on the resources that we have. So when we don't have, we are no security, right? So I think in terms of generosity, the last year I learned a lot, not only through Chattanooga prayer gathering, but also interacting with different people. Generosity to me is not that I have owned so much. I start up and then anything excess, I will share. And anything under this, oh, this is my security. I mean, they will not say that, but then in reality, they they will feel secure. You know, we don't have to worry about next month, the pastor salary, for example. So with those mindsets, it it will lessen our hearts to be generous. It's because God asking us is is to trust Him, to trust His providence. So instead of 
closing ourselves, or I use the word hoarding the resources. God wants us to experience His grace and His beautiful character of generosity by letting go some of that mindset. So, I I am organizing an event in coming January 2024 in Hong Kong. The the date exactly is 25th to 29th. I am working with two churches, my churches and my my sister church in called Island ECC, which is a huge and big church in Hong Kong. So we are organizing three events. One event is talking about exactly the trust tradition and transparency about churches in Hong Kong or in general Chinese churches. So that will be on the twenty fifth of January. So we're targeting the, the 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 senior pastors, the churches leaders, and ministry leaders to come in an afternoon, and then on that was a Thursday, and then on Saturday the twenty sixth of January, we will have another half day uh, workshop for the professional like accountants, lawyers, and bankers. Uh, so the objective is to share with them, they they know about governance you know, in their daily work. But they are lacking of the biblical perspective of governance. So we are lef- leveraging Dr. Gary Ho, a book called The Council. And then we'll, based on that, we will have a, a, a meeting with them with the objective to establish a peer accountability group in Hong Kong. So, and then Monday, 29th of January, we will have another half half-day event for the local Christian NGOs. And that will helping them to see how to do fundraising in God's way. So I call it a spirit-led fundraising workshop. So that is the three things we are going to do in Hong Kong. So that is exactly, Cody, I mean, we are, you know, we share and we want to do something about, you know, Chinese churches as well. In the course of the work that you do, do any stories come to mind of times where you or or some of your coworkers have been working in a country trying to build this trust and accountability and to where you have seen that bear fruit in the givers and the donors in that region or, you know, we, either with a specific organization or just in a more general context? Any stories come to mind? Yes, I think... Uh... In the past, uh, setting up a PAG group take years, the time to set up. But last quarter, our president and CEO, Gary Hoke, he was, you know, having three potential set up peer accountability group in three months. Uh, one from uh, Colombia, from Costa Rica, and from Jamaica. Okay. So, that's very stir me, you know. Think about it, you know. In the past, we set up Philippines, Indonesia, Australia. I mean, it takes years, right? And for these three, you know, it's just like they are quite ready. They just need someone to come and help. So we we have some resources, reading our trip report. Some resources, you know, specifically giving gifts to us to expand that. And potentially, potentially, we also have people lining up asking us for help. Like, 
in Ukraine, you know, this, this is still war, but then they're already thinking about after war, they need to do something like that. And last month, we went to the Well Evangelicals Alliance Conference. And there's a lot of Evangelical Alliance uh, organization asking us to help from different countries, different regions. They see, oh, governance is a way to help develop healthy organization. I mean, the question you ask uh, is exactly the statement that they asked uh, Dr. Gary Ho to present. So that is something we have. We have more than 10 lining up for us to visit, to, to do some program work over there. So, yeah, but then we always say a saying in GTP, you know, go slow to go fast because sometimes, you know, we cannot do everything out at one time. And uh, we just discerning, you know, God, which country we should go each time and not so much on on the money that we have, but on, you know, God's calling us where to go. So how do we know we, we serve the receptive one? So if they re- receive our message and they want us to come and if the timing, everything aligned, then we just go. Yeah, this is how we react. Yeah, that's helpful. And it is a testament to the fact that peer accountability groups like this work. And another aspect of what I was kind of interested in is, you know, Philippines or or Guatemala or one of these countries that has been established for a while, compared to before the accountability structure was set up, have you seen the organizations there growing in a healthy way in terms of uh, donors and givers trusting them with their resources and and how has that affected the relationships in each of those countries with the organizations that are a part of these peer accountability groups? Okay, this is a very good question. You you raised the the country like Philippines, country like Guatemala. I want to share with you, like, for example, Hong Kong, um, our legal system was very well-developed. So in order to have a charitable, non-profit organization established in Hong Kong, so they have to follow the legal aspect, you know, one, two, three. So that, that those developed country, so they have more system. And also we have the uh, anti-corruption organization. So it helps shape organization in a way that if they are not following the requirement of the government, they will be punished, basically, right? So Hong Kong, a peer accountability group for Hong Kong is a bit different compared to the developing countries. So when I say developing country, there's a big window of different practices, corruptions, and they are suffering through that. And um, they, they are more eager to have a PAG to come in to help them to to kind of uh, filter out, you know, this is trusted organization because of the accreditation process, and this has to be question marked. I mean, particularly for the giver, not in the country, from other places, seeing this, you know. And we also saying that, you know, for giver now is more more wise. They are not just want to give it the money. Because you just give the money, you grow the dependency, right? So they don't have money. Oh, give me money, give me money. 
So nowadays with the mission and the givers, they also want to participate to build their capacity. They can be sustainable in a way that they can raise the local, you know, giving compared to just rely on the international uh, support. So those things are happening, you know, at the same time. So for us, it's always good because that's why we partnership with Generous Church. So they have the, the, you know, generosity design lab. So that could create a curriculum for those uh, churches they want to cascade, not only talking about the emotional giving, but the real meaning of giving. And to me, I, I really, really encourage uh, churches or organizations start with the younger kids. So the younger they see this concept mindset, when they get older, they have this uh, easy of seeing how God using, use, using the resource in the world. The older we are, the harder because we have more things to deal with. Yeah, something you said, I think, is very relevant. So probably at least the majority of our listeners are coming from a U.S. context. Um, but you talked about people giving abroad to ministries that are operating in one of these other countries. And these accountability organizations provide a lot of context for a giver, like from the U.S., to say, this organization that is primarily working in Guatemala or the Philippines or Hong Kong, you know, ECFA doesn't exist in those places. These other organizations can can really help somebody to differentiate between different organizations. So one question I have is, for somebody listening today, if they have an interest in some region of the world that God has already kind of placed on their heart, they're already kind of looking for opportunities to serve financially there. Where can they find a list of these peer accountability groups and how can they kind of work through those to find organizations that are accredited in these different regions? Yeah, visit our website, www.gtp.org. We have a partnership page that will list all these peer accountability group in the world. So we have about 11 or 12 way now. So they can find it out. And also if they want to participate with GDP's mission and work, so they can also subscribe our, you know, general entries. So we will share with them every two weeks what's going on at GTP and which country we are visiting. So thank you for Kelly for asking that. This is a bit advertising time, but then this is excellent, you know, connection to to what we do as well. Yeah, just listening to you share, I, I just am reflecting on how much information is accessible uh, to me if I want to give to an organization here in the states. I, I just have not really considered all of the things that go into evaluating an organization for effectiveness for all, all these different is it a healthy organization is it growing are that are the assets being allocated properly that that i imagine there's a lot that goes into that work and when you look globally it's uh, incredibly diverse in terms of what the organizations are doing how the government enforces anything but what really happens is when an organization like gtp uh, lays the groundwork so that there's 
some, like you said, some trust established, which makes room for generosity because uh, God entrusts all of us with some amount of resources and we're responsible for the decision of where we give it. And that can be very daunting if you don't know anything about the organization you're planning to give to. And that can be a little paralyzing. So the work that you're describing really creates more space for that giving to happen. It's it's like a platform where people can actually start to build momentum in their giving, which is really amazing because, you know, just a few short months ago, we sat together praying for uh, a movement of global generosity. And this is a, an incredibly important component to seeing that happen. Yeah. Can I add to that as well? Because GTP are promoting uh, governance, right? So if you visit our website, go to the resources. So we have a, a, a page that uh, we share our templates. So we have so many templates to share to you that because we are walking the talk. So whatever we do, we will turn it into a template for other organizations to use. I give you an example. I just finished a document called Enterprise Risk Management. So it's talking about the existing risks and the potential risks and how are we going to mitigate it. I always use the 4T model. So are we going to transfer it out if there's a risk? Like typical example is you buy insurance, right? So you transfer your risk to the insurance company or you want to tolerate it because that's no way you can do about it. It's tolerant, it, right? Or at times you want to terminate it because I don't want to involve any of that risk. Like, for example, a partnership. You, you partner with a not like-minded you know, parties. You want to terminate it, right? Or most of the time we need to treat the risk. By treating the risk, so we need to spend resources to look into the risk situation from time to time. So I finished a document and we are ready to put it into the template for other organizations to, to observe and to learn and to adopt. And of course, they cannot honor our doors. Can you help us? Of course, we can help. So governance is a big, big topic, but you know, we break it down into different templates. How to set up a board, how to run your board meetings with the committees, how is the board, you know, poses to do staff, menu, and things like that. You know, we have all those templates ready. Not only that, you know, we also translate it into different languages. We're in the process of translating to different languages. And right now we have to, we have six or seven languages translated already. So that's the resources we have. So as a giver for GTP, they can, they can see the work that we're doing. We only have 10 staff. We do all those work together, but we have 20 hours a day. Yeah, well, we're really grateful that you are doing that work. Um, I just think it's going to bear uh, so much fruit that we have yet to see. Trevor, I'm, I'm curious, what are you most excited about when you think about the next five or 10 years? Yes, I, that question, I, I have a deep thinking of it. As I'm reflecting on the coming five to 10 years, I see it as a significant chapter in my life. It possibly my last mile of my life. And one thing that excites me is the opportunity to continue being guided by God's hand, whether to be 
within GDP or other ventures. So that is my heart. And I pray that God's grace, mercy, and love will continue to flow through me and to impact others, people's life. In particular, I have a deep passion for the younger generations. As I am a parent of three sons, currently they have drifted away from attending church, especially after the challenge of COVID and their graduations. My hope and desire are that they will rediscover their reliance on God rather than solely relying on themselves and their own knowledge and skills. I want them to experience the transformative power of God's presence in their lives. When they were young, I was so immature. I think, okay, if I raise them up, they can independently work. And without my support, I will be very happy. I mean, they already independently and working right now. But I realize there's a missing piece. And because time passed already, so I can only pray for them. And uh, that is in my heart. I also must admit myself that I'm searching for clarity in this area too, because I, I don't know about the answer where to go, what to work in the future. And I only can seek God's guidance. So I believe that as I continue to pursue this journey, God will reveal his plan for me and how I can make a meaningful impact in the lives of others, especially for the younger generations. So this is how I see my five to ten years. I mean, in a nutshell, I don't have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think God likes it that way. He likes us to keep our plans very loose And I think that's when he has the most he can work with. And I know that he is going to do some incredible things through your life. He already has. And I'm excited to see uh, what comes from the work of GTP all across the world and for these growing movements, which sound like they are building momentum quickly. Well, as we get to the end of the episode here, we like to leave some time for our manager's minute. And that's just a practical action our listeners can take to step into their role as stewards and manage God's wealth wisely. So Trevor, do you have a suggestion for our listeners today? Okay. For me, I think number one, I would think we need to go back to God and ask for wisdom uh, because my, as I said, my professional subject matter is knowledge management. I, I look into people's knowledge and of course, you know, in the Bible, all knowledge, all good knowledge are from God. And God gave us good knowledge to serve Him. And in this world, we are, we are in this world, we're talking about scarcity because we don't have enough. And, and that's why we need to go into the best school, get the best work, you know, and then get the best income. But in the Bible, it said God is abundant God. And, and I truly believe that because only have the mindset of abundance that will take away our competitiveness in the world. And uh, the resources can be shared more freely. And to, to help others is like to see the joy of other people 
having the needs that they can, you know, can be met. This is how I see it. And I mean, to be honest, I live into the most expensive uh, city in the world, Hong Kong and Vancouver. When I look back, uh, God is good. God is so good. You know, He taking care of everything that, you know, we, we, we lack of nothing. And I think, you know, that, that will be helping me to see how we should uh, continue to uh, rely on God's providence and also with what we have to share, no matter money or time. So this is uh, my way of looking at life and also carry this learning or that capacity that we have to nurture the next generations. I mean, that will be the beautiful world in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that abundant mindset that you talked about is easier said than done. But it is absolutely worth the effort of allowing the Holy Spirit to make that shift in your heart, just like you said. Because out of that abundant mindset, uh, countless experiences of generosity flow and relationships are built. And it all comes from that abundance mindset. And we really do live in abundance from God. And as he makes us aware of that, all the rest of the pieces start to click into place. So I agree completely. Trevor, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for the work that you and GTP are doing across the world to really set up a structure so that generosity can flow freely in a system of trust and and ultimately so that God's kingdom can be advanced. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been an honor to be here. I hope my journey encouraged others to step out in faith and embrace the opportunity God presents to their life. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we would love to hear from you. And now I have a quick question for you. Do you know anyone who is living a life filled with generosity, purpose, and mission? If so, we would love to talk to them. They don't need to have a financial finish line, and they don't need to have all the answers. They just need a heart to steward God's wealth to the best of their ability. If you know someone like that, we would be honored if you would connect us. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Finally, if you want to find any of our references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 87. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time.